Sophia Gubaidalina, Valerie Coleman, Wojciech Keeler. Even the most seasoned of concertgoers might take a double take at names like these. You might be wondering, who are they? It's possible you've never heard of these composers or heard their music in a concert hall. The question is, why don't we know them? My name is Maddie Hammond. I'm a Perth-based composer, trumpet player, music educator, and above all, music enthusiast. I've had the pleasure of attending the Australian Youth Orchestra's National Music Camp for 2023 as a participant in the Words About Music course. On the topic of new music, I've had the pleasure of speaking with some of the composers and conductors attending National Music Camp to get a better sense of new music's place in Australia's concert scene. I wanted to talk to the veterans of the classical music scene, both in Australia and beyond our bubble, as well as our emerging artists. Why is there a stigma around new music? Is the programming of new music tokenistic? What has been the reception of new music? The challenge is that you're putting music out that is not known by anybody to an audience who are accustomed to always hearing things that they know. That was Anne Course, composition tutor at National Music Camp, talking about the reception of new music in Australia, one of the subjects I'll be exploring in this podcast. You'll also hear the voices of two of her composition students, Philip Cullen and Nick Kyriakakis, and you'll also hear the views of National Music Camp conductors, Umberto Clerici and James Judd. Firstly, I wanted to start by asking conductors from vastly different backgrounds what their attitudes towards programming new music is and whether we're hearing enough new music in mainstream concert programs. To listen to the perspective of Umberto Clerici and James Judd, tune into part one. For the composer's perspective, listen to Anne, Philip and Nick's stories in part two. Italian, I come from the north of Italy, I played the cello, I still play the cello, since I was five, so 35 years yeah. of playing the cello. Uh, four years ago, I got asked from Sydney Symphony Orchestra to conduct one gig that was with serial repertoire, but was out of the season. I said, okay, let's try. I studied for six months, I did that gig, and that's, since then, basically, I'm mostly conducting now, I would say yes and 90% is conducting. So this is a little bit my story and very quick. Do you conduct much new music at the moment? It's difficult to define much. In the sense that, for example, SSO, Sydney Symphony Orchestra, has a project in three years called 50 Fanfares and 50 New Commissions. Mm. Part of it is to play in a concert, each of them, but at the other part, a few months before, sometimes six months, sometimes a year, depends. The composer has the chance to have one session means two and a half hours with the orchestra where usually the orchestra would read it and then there would be some corrections and the composer could some of the pieces would be finished some other piece would be almost finished some just not and then we would record for their own sake you know uh, and then the piece will be premiered by Sydney Symphony later and last year means until 15 days ago, 2022, I did 17 of these 50 fanfare. So I think last year between the cello and the conducting, I think I did 20 new pieces. So I would say yes. The problem 
is what is new music for musicians, what is new music for the audience, and what is our duty toward music for ourselves as musicians. Mm-hmm. Because the thing is that if we use the new music in a place that us, ourselves, our, the musicians themselves don't believe in it, then you know, it doesn't matter how many presences or how many uh, you know, pieces there are. If all these pieces are four minutes and put it at the beginning of a concert just to get it out of the way. Mm. So I'm a little bit against that. It seems that at the moment Australia is consciously trying to program new works by new composers. Do you view this as tokenistic in a sense? What you were talking about just then in terms of putting a new work at the beginning of a concert program to almost get it out of the way before they play the classics. Yes, but you know, this, yeah, I agree, super Mm -hmm. tokenistic, but it can help to introduce some of the music, but the thing is that, you know, we all have to thick boxes, but nothing is against ticking a box purposefully. So you can still have, feel the purpose of doing a service to the, the music, to the composer, to the fact that we are content, we, all are of us, musicians, non-musicians, all uh, humans and animals in the world at the moment, we are contemporary because we live now. And also, it's connected to our idea of how all music is. Because if you think, most of the old music, I'm talking about Beethoven like last week, but was meant to be revolutionary, was meant to be progressive, was meant to shock a little bit. You know, Mm -hmm. the ride of the spring has riots outside. Uh, Beethoven had a lot. I mean, Beethoven V, it's, or Eroica. But there are so many composers, Wagner, Liszt. But now, with the the lens of, the, the, the history, therefore, we see these pieces 200 years or 150 years later, we got accustomed to a familiarity with them. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, you know, you do Beethoven 5 and people think it's a cute piece of music. This is the thing is that if we, the, if we see the classics, also how they were meant to be. Yes, so it's all, all in terms of that particular context that it was intended for. Yes. Yeah. You know, and not all, all the composer now, like at the time, I mean, Mozart was never, want, didn't want to be a revolutionary. He just mm. was, he was using the language of the contemporaries, just much yeah. better. Yeah. Uh, it, I mean, he doesn't compose completely differently unless Salieri or the, mm. but just is such a much better composer. <laughs> While Beethoven wrote and asked things that never had been done. Wagner was the same, Haydn was the same, but Brahms not. But so sometimes we see music for comfort instead of challenge. Classical music, particularly classically, in the sense of in Italian we have different words of pop music because for classical music we call it classica, mm-hmm. but for pop music we we uh, call it leggera. That means light. And light doesn't doesn't have any bad connotation. It's just one is not heavy, but yes. one it's committed to many level of. Yeah public debating. It's accessible. Yes. I personally think that if you limit a composer to write five minutes of music in a certain spot, you really, it's a recipe most of time of failure. There seems to be a stigma around new music in the Western art context. Do you think that there is a stigma around new music today? And where do you think this stems from, if so? I think it, it is in the last hundred years. It's since the modernism started, yeah. you know, the old romanticism around First World War basically had a fracture on the characteristics of the music until then, you know, the serialism, and then created a fracture with the mainstream audience. Also, we never had really 
pop music before we had folk music but there was so the fracture became much bigger so if you you know the, the connection between folk music Landler or court music like Menuet or somehow in the middle like Waltz was very strong until 100 years ago and then completely detached so influences of different genres of music now in contemporary music are small I would say um, but it's, it's a problematic when you try to fit a new piece around classics because everybody knows the classics, therefore they already start at advantage. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we don't have enough only contemporary music seasons, even orchestras. I mean, with SSO, we had a series called at Carriage Works until four or five years ago that was only contemporary, was three concerts. It was not a huge hall, but it was more than 500 seats. It was always packed. That was great. Of course, it's expensive to, yeah. to run it. but. That is a good service for music because it's really the people that wants to listen to that. Partly is also how we play contemporary music. You know, there's a quite a resistance of our musicians and yes. extended techniques without thinking that Beethoven was asking extended techniques. Yeah. Mozart was asking, they say too many notes. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's a different way of sending technique. But all the composers ever always pushed the boundaries, yeah. you know. So it's not now, of course. There, is, there was a lot of rubbish, there is still a lot of rubbish, this is part of humanity, you know, the history will clean it. Mm -hmm. But it's not refusing to do it that mm -hmm. will actually help the music to evolve, mm -hmm. it just we will get more and more in a museum. I really liked what you said about how there almost needs to be a different setting for new music to take place because there's, there's almost two different audiences. Do you think that concert goers and musicians themselves will continue to favour the classics over the new works? Yeah, it's maybe in Australia, but actually in Europe there are a lot of musicians that they only do contemporary music. Right. A lot of contemporary music ensembles, they prefer, you know, in a way, contemporary music gives you so much more freedom mm -hmm. of expressing of uh, freedom in the music itself. Also the fact that you have the composer. You know, some, sometimes you wish, ah, if Schubert was alive, I would ask him what he means we yeah. hear, why <laughs> this chord is really... Uh, we have the chance to actually speak to the composers yes. now. So I think because music for Australia is not yet super clear, is something that the society needs, like public health, public uh, school, yeah. uh, to actually to, to develop the society in terms of, you know, classical music at the moment seems that we don't talk about the big topics, mm -hmm. energy, uh, war, mental health, uh, climate change. Mm -hmm. We tend to, uh, you know, completely deny any involvement in bigger topics. But if you think, you know, the political state statement of Beethoven or the all the big, you know, the war requiem or uh, I mean, we are in the middle of a war, not here in Australia, but yeah. uh, music can make us reflect and therefore then contemporary makes it much stronger, you know. But, you know, Rossini would write an opera on the facts of the, his time, corruption of the church and a little yeah. bit, you know, all the court uh, mess. Yeah. Uh, if, he, if a proper composer would write about Donald Trump, for example, yeah. or write about... Um, you know, the corruption of the politics everywhere in Britain. It's, mm -hmm. it's not corruption, but it's a bit ridiculous in the last yeah. you know, three or four years. <laughs> on, on opera on Brexit, mm. light or, or, or not, you mean, yeah. Rossini would mostly write uh, light operas. Then we would connect the art form to 
what is our contemporary life. Sometimes I, there is so much detachment of this. Yes, and I think that's where people struggle to connect with, with new music sometimes, um, and bringing in context is a good way to connect, as yeah. you said. I'm really interested, as a conductor, what has been your your experience? So you talked about the difference between Australia to the rest of the world. Yes. Our appreciation of new music. Can you talk a little bit about the difference between your experience in Australia and living and working in Europe? I think we are not brave enough. Yeah. A lot is based on this uh, misunderstanding of selling tickets. It's mm. a misunderstanding because we will never sell t- enough tickets to actually really make, you know, a musical that goes for three or four months. And also there, compared to, you know, Broadway or the West End, where some musical go for 40 years, mm. like the Phantom, constantly, they never close. Here, it's four months and then they change it. So partly is we are not brave enough because we think, oh, you know, you have to be accessible. But accessible means many things. It's not necessarily to milk the same piece or yeah. to apply to the minimal common denominator. Mm-hmm. Uh, accessible means that you have to introduce this music in a way that actually, and also the t- ticket prices should be accessible. That is yeah. the least accessible mm-hmm. thing or the topic, you know, when yeah. they are $150. It's what is accessible mm-hmm. for whom? So I think while in Europe, because the classics are so much in the culture, therefore they will always be there. It's part of you know the, the history of yeah. the place. Yeah. And so there is more adventurous attitude toward yes. new music. Here we are still worried, ah, maybe. And so I've seen here when you do music that is really committed, it can be, you know, uh, Bredin, uh, yeah. where he doesn't discount anything in favor of or recently here in Adelaide, in Ocaria, I did a piece by Gubadurina. There's a 50 minutes sort of mass for cello, choir. And everyone is scared before. This hall was packed. And actually, I, I played the Ocaria maybe 20 times. This is the concert they're still talking. It's not the Beethoven, it's the Brahms uh, sonatas. So it's actually, it can be, if it's played properly, means that you are really committed and you just don't have to just play. And it's proper music, it's stronger for us as human beings when it's contemporary than it's classic. There is not the filter of past. I really like what you said about we need to be braver. Yeah. We need to get past this fear of, of new music. What has been your experience of performing works by modern composers? Have the ensembles that you've conducted been less inclined or less enthusiastic about performing new works from what you've seen? It depends. I don't think so. I mean, Australia has quite very, it's a very good work ethic in this. The thing is, if it's only a tokenistic point of view, therefore there is no selection in the sense that the leadership, in this case a conductor, says, I really love this piece, I want to do it, and then transmits through rehearsal, but also his passion for that music and that work. So the orchestra actually can absorb that. This Cubadulina was a very good example. The choir I played with the chamber singers here, it's great choir. They were very prepared, but they didn't really know that the expressionism of the music. And so they thought it was weird and a little bit uh, cold. And once we put the meaning in it and all the, you know, all the symbolism that she has, then they all thought it was an amazing experience because it's a much more uh, involved. They have that connection now to the piece. Yes. So you're saying that it's more who is in charge of programming it that is a little bit more reluctant than the performers. Yes. So it's the institutions more so. Yeah, because they have also, they have to 
guarantee to the board that they sell enough tickets. Yes. <laughs> also, you know, they can't, it should come. The problem is that instead of asking a conductor saying, what would you like to present? Also Australian music, but also world music, because this is, if we close ourselves only to the Australian landscape, it's good for, for a few years for the young composer, but actually it's not. Like everywhere in the world, we need to have a balance of this. Is the conductor said, I think this is important, but it never really happens like this. Therefore, management say, well, we should program something contemporary, maybe Australian. They give you a piece. Maybe that piece is not in your strings, yeah. say. And then that is the recipe of the disservice because maybe you're prepared, but prepared and loving, it's a very different thing. What do you think, now this is a loaded question, what do you think the future of new music looks like in Australia and across the world? I think the problem, I think it's in waves of civilization. 20th century until the 70s was a very serious century because of two major wars that destroyed yeah. half of the world, particularly Europe. And therefore, the attitude of humanity toward life was serious, you know, we had communism. Then the music as a way to escape, as ways to be rebellious, yeah. for example, Shostakovich, mm. can be in many different ways, you know, mm. was really important. So it was at the center of big topics for me. And then after the 70s with economical boom everywhere, it became a little bit the last 50 years of superficiality mm -hmm. uh, in the sense that everybody likes gossip and talk about mm -hmm. small things and you know and so therefore art a little bit reflects that and so for serious composers it was more difficult in the last 30 40 years because the general humanity doesn't want to be too serious after that century but yeah. it goes in waves so you're saying it's a reflection of the time yes yeah. it has to be contemporary music for music in general mm -hmm. it will always be there there is a fraction the market is fractioned by so many genres but at the same time, classical music has a duty to talk about life in a more meaningful way. And so I, I don't see a problem with that. I see more that when they say the audience is older, yes, it's older because also they come from that century. It can go in many different ways, in many different directions. In Europe, it's a little bit more tricky because if you go more on a lighter screen uh, way, you know, Korngold himself, he was a genius and then went to Hollywood and then they put a stamp on him yeah. saying, well, he's a hero, things for the movies that Hollywood sound and John Williams is because of Korngold, you know, but because it was for the movies and it was a serious century, he was not anymore a serious composer, yeah. you know, and now it's exactly the opposite. We have mm -hmm. people that play with electronic music for three images and everybody thinks that is the composer. So it's not about being snob. I think there is space for everyone, but I hope that everyone is true to itself, not yes. trying just to... The tokenistic prob a problem yes. for me is the biggest thing. It's about finding that connection between composer and the music as well yeah. to the people who are coming to concerts. Yeah. And that's how we're going to make it a more inclusive space. Yes. And it's to challenge the listener as well, isn't yes. it? Yeah. It depends what also inclusive is. If it's an mm. evening out and then we have a glass of wine, <laughs> is one thing. Is another thing is to go in a place and get transformed yes. by the end of the evening. The purpose is really different. Ask him to be part active part because could mean anything yes. and sometimes accessible it's just easy to dump it down and just yes. let's cut everything to five yeah. minutes i don't think that is inclusive it for yeah. sure is not inclusive for music you don't want the the audience to get too comfortable yeah also you want to give them what you think is important yeah. it's important for you but it's more important also for them if 
this wouldn't exist, I think you would miss something. And this is also hard for the conductor saying, actually, I'm not interested in music, I don't do it. This in the sense of this specific yeah. music, you know, yeah. uh, because also the worst disservice that you can do is to do something that actually you are not really committed. I mean, committed means that you, you put it together, a piano and forte here in two and four. That's, but, you know, that is where, you know, you see conductors very passionate about doing a Prokofiev symphony and then completely out of their depth. In a, and it also takes more time. We are used, you know, yeah. to huge pieces, but they are part of our DNAs. Yes. But a new piece takes time. Yeah. I wonder, there is a preliminary session six months before, yeah. where the, con the composer comes, it's a full orchestra, so we solve, you know, what is still working, doesn't work. Mm -hmm. uh, we put, we solve the Boeing's uh, balance, yeah. then the, the composer can think of this. So when we arrive six months later, there is still a big base to start, because otherwise we have three days of rehearsals, and then by the third day, we barely know the notes. And so, of course, then how can you compete playing a Beethoven symphony that, or a Tchaikovsky symphony yeah. that they played already a million times? And it's a language. Imagine a new composer comes and it's all new writing. Yeah. We don't have time to absorb it. So we, it, this is also have to be taken into account because otherwise you arrive to the concert and one is super polished and the other one is terrible. And of course, everybody says, well, you know, it needs time. And most of these pieces has one go and then it's done. I don't like to talk about myself. I mean, I'm, I was lucky I was born in England, you know, and studied music very early in a, a little town that had an amateur orchestra, a choral society, a good state school with orchestra, with music, an amateur orchestra that I played flute in, then timpani. And there was only 25,000 people, but it was kind of church music organ I learned organ early on then I went to music college and then got into opera then went to Cleveland as Lauren Marzell's assistant and then became a, a, a Bardo's assistant we started the European Community Youth Orchestra mm -hmm. then I started with Abado and some colleagues the Chamber Orchestra of Europe and then I became music director of the Florida Philharmonic in Miami Fort Lauderdale Palm Beach that whole area and then various music directorships you know in uh, Israel Symphony Orchestra. I've just finished with Slovak Philharmonic Music Director in Dijon Philharmonic in Seoul. And in Australia, I was lucky enough to be the principal guest conductor for many years here in Adelaide, actually. I love the orchestras here. In December, I was conducting in Sydney. We're doing the planets. And, and here I am. So much of your career, I suppose, has taken place in Europe. What has your experience been in Australia conducting? Fantastic. You know, people do ask, and it's a legitimate question, well, what's the difference? You know, what's the difference in conducting different countries? Of course, there's a difference because every orchestra, every great orchestra has a particular distinctive sound still today, you yeah. know. So really, wherever you are, it's a great, you, you know, the, I think the first thing as a guest conductor, assuming, or even with an orchestra you've conducted before you're coming back to, is to listen to the orchestra and see, okay, and then it's a give and take. So you come with solid ideas of the architecture of a piece and all that, but then um, you discover something fantastic from the musicians that becomes incorporated and they see the sort of architecture of what you're doing. In Australia, I'm always incredibly impressed, of course, like now, most countries, but with the preparation of the orchestra because, you know, Anywhere in the world, a great orchestra is always prepared at first rehearsal. I mean, that's the essential thing. Yeah. It's also something for all the young people to learn. Yeah. Rehearsals are never, ever for learning notes. You know, it just yeah. is boring for the people that are prepared. So number one is being prepared. And Australian orchestras, I found, always amazing. 
regard and very flexible and incredible musicians. And that's a lot, I think, the, this uh, AYL, mm-hmm. the camp, has a large part to do with that. I mean, it was amazing the number of musicians coming up to me in Sydney this last time and saying, oh, yeah, I was part of the camp in you know, 1920 or whatever it was. It was amazing, you know, so it prepares really well. It's fantastic. At the moment, it seems that the concert halls are making a conscious effort to program new works Mm -hmm. by new composers. Do you view this as tokenism or as ticking a box of some sort? Um, No, but every country, I think, has that obligation and, and joy. Mm-hmm. to encourage music from the from composers mm-hmm. but i think there are probably too many composers today i think there's there's a lack of discrimination sometimes mm-hmm. and i think if any composer this is controversial but and it's not to say i whenever i'm asked to do something new sight unseen i say yes because mm-hmm. i love to discover new things yeah. but there's a there's one thing about orchestral music any composer who writes from the orchestra must be able to conduct their own music mm-hmm. because a conductor sees immediately whether a composer is thinking like Mahler or like Thomas Addis or like um, Mendelssohn or what. As a performer, Strauss mm-hmm. and, 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 Elgar, yeah. they all, all the great 20th century composers, although some didn't do very much of it, could all stand in front of an orchestra at the first rehearsal, know exactly what they'd written, and written it without an aid of computer through thought and understanding of the timbre and the capabilities of every instrument. And that's not the case today. Sometimes commissions are thrown out um, to people that that, that are not there or not ready yet and think that uh, you just hand a composer over to uh, a composition over to a conductor. That's not it. We see it straight away and that's a huge bore. I know there are people that disagree but that's that's something I feel very, very strongly about and a lot of my colleagues quietly um, because too much of the time we're problem solving the people that have not been quite thought through. So yeah. the answer yeah. really is, I love doing new music. Mm-hmm. You know, just now in Sydney in December, we had a one of those 50 um, commissions yeah. of uh, Paul Stanhope, and yeah. a lovely piece, yeah. very well thought out for the orchestra. Mm-hmm. You know, Here we're doing this marvelous piece of uh, yeah. Ross Edward. And so it's terribly important, but all of that our appreciation of good orchestral playing, our appreciation of whatever style new music is, any style, so many different styles today, you've got to feel it's based on some sort of historical skeleton, just as we are. I think if you've come from a performance background, then when you're writing it, it's it's a lot more helpful because you can imagine yourself being in the orchestra as opposed to... If I'm conducting a piece that I could have written, because yes. we all have to be able to write, then I know it's no good. You know, because I could write a lot of the stuff I can, and I have no interest to do it. Now, this sounds conceited, and people will be listening to this and think, what an arrogant bastard. I understand. That's what I believe and yeah. what we, we talk quietly about. If we do only music from our particular state or country or town, or whatever, where are the opportunities to hear the greatest music from around the world? And as we get in the world more and more, composers able to compose because it becomes easier with computers. I think we all have personal responsibility probably. Do you think that there is a stigma around new music? And where do you think this might stem from if if in fact there is one? I don't think there's as much as there was when I was at college for example. I mean then 
um, it was so unusual uh, that there would be a contemporary piece and it tend to be locked up in a particular room of ideas you know of, okay you students you play in the contemporary orchestra now I think the idea ideal and, and indeed around the world the great symphony orchestra for example everybody can play beautiful Mozart beautiful Beethoven and then you can play beautiful Mahler and so on but you also know how to play Baroque music you know how to play Haydn in a certain style and you know how to play contemporary music. So yeah. the reading ability, like here with the, the orchestra, yeah. in a way they can read the contemporary music much easier than they can read Beethoven or Vaughan Williams. Would you say in a professional orchestra then, have you noticed a difference between the musicians perhaps on AYO in comparison to professional orchestras? No, I think the AYO musicians are not sufficiently prepared before no. they come here. I think they would get much more out of. I mean, in yeah. the old days, we used to have a, a thing where they were deliberately coming to sight read, which was great. Yeah. Now they're getting yeah. the music in advance. If you get the music in advance, you have to be prepared because that's training for the... the you can't play a wrong note when you mm. join the Adelaide Symphony Orchestra or Wazel. It seems that standard repertoire continues to dominate concert programs. Do you think that new music deserves more funding and more attention? Well, I think the classics do as well. It's more about thinking of themes of seasons, whether yes. it's contemporary music or, and again, to discriminate which are the best works. And to remember that now with less and less education in music school, a lot of people are playing when they come to AYO, Beethoven Second Symphony or Beethoven for the first time, some of them. So we have an obligation to keep the great music alive. And it's alive for a reason, just as yeah. We don't think of tearing down Renoirs from the museum. Yeah. yeah, we've just got to keep always a balance. And that's why I come back to, uh, we tend to play, and sometimes there are neglected masterpieces of great uh, composers, right, yeah. that don't get played. But there's a reason why the core, which might still grow, I mean, gradually we add pieces that have been neglected. But we already, already discriminate about which, which Mozart do we prefer, yeah. which... Tchaikovsky symphony do we prefer? We have to do the same with contemporary music. The highest quality music we've yeah. got to invest our time and money in, played at the highest possible level, because by it's not an elitist thing, it's the higher degree of technical and emotional ability we play the music, the more emotions and subtleties the audience is going to feel. We've got to be better advocates for music. Yeah. We have to love new music. It's what I would love for all of these young musicians here. It's not about being told what to do, it's being proactive. And young musician today has to be entrepreneurial, has to be in love with whatever we're playing with new music, with old music, we're not, we can't just sit there in a job or wait for it. We've all got to share the love because yeah. when I was growing up, you know, I was very, very lucky in the schools. We all could have a free music lesson, free loan of wow. a flute and endless sort of musical opportunity. Yeah. Those days have passed away now a little bit. So we have to find ways. It's all about education. It's all about making sure that anyone of whatever income, whatever background, everyone has access to music because the solid belief of mine is that when we play a wonderful concert, if we could just entice people into the hall, it doesn't matter who they are, just go up Randall Street and bring in a f an audience, yeah. you know, late at night, early in the morning, whoever they are, whoever they are, and put them in front of one of those concerts with the AYO yeah. and they'll get it. We're all marketers. We've all got to be invested in the sharing this love. What has your experience been as a conductor performing works by new composers? What has the reception sort of been like? I mean, good. Mm. It's played now 
frequently we should yeah. stop the dialogue about it being something different. It's music. Music yeah. is music. What we better should talk about is stop labeling things classical or, you yeah. know, call it orchestral. Don't call it contemporary or classical or romantic. Yeah. Calling this stuff con classical music is a yeah. ludic ludicrous title because mm -hmm. it's not a lot yeah. of it, right? Classical period was a certain thing. Mm -hmm. We put people off. We call it jazz, call it rock, call it yeah. quartet, call it chamber, call it orchestral, mm -hmm. call it piano. That's why I feel mm -hmm. very strongly about yeah. uh, composers being able when they're available to conduct their own music because we exist as the conducting career is a very suspicious one it's really we're just you know we're the the composer once they've passed on we become yeah. the recreator but we're not the most important thing the composers are always the most important imagine being able to hear Beethoven imagine being able to hear Brahms yeah. conduct his music, Mahler conduct his music. What do you think the future of new music in a classical context looks like? The future depends on what we've been talking about, the advocacy yeah. and the being so in love with music that you can't but compose or you yeah. can't but play and then sharing that with other people, making sure that we do what we can in whatever age we are, whatever we're doing, just doing what we can to share with other people. So young people, you need to share with your colleagues, you know, if you're at school, if you're in college, the people that have never thought of going to an orchestral concert yeah. or a chamber music concert say, look, you should try this. We've all got to be marketers. We've got to be driven or do something else because yeah. the world needs, um, needs so much care at the moment. Let's hope these sorts of questions continue into the future. Thank you for tuning in.